Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 12th chapter. He also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say, it is going to rain, and so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be a scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you. Will you pray with me? Good and gracious God, may the, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Thank you. Many years ago, I sat right where you're sitting today. Actually, I sat right about where Linda and George are, right back there. And I listened as Pastor Paula spoke these words. The Bible is the story of our brokenness and what God is doing about it. The Bible is the story of our brokenness and what God is doing about it. I have never forgotten that phrase, obviously. <laughs> it's a powerful statement. It takes God's story and our story and weaves them together. And it says that God is doing, is present, is active here and now in this life. And I wanted to bring that to you today because I feel like a lot of times the Bible is confusing and hard to read and cryptic and has odd language and um, is hard for us to understand, especially in our 21st century context. And I think our verses, our readings from Hebrews and Luke today are sort of like that. They reference stories that maybe we don't know, and they talk about things that we can't interpret, that we can't understand. And um, I know the book of Hebrews was written to people who were right sort of where we are right now. They were awash in a culture that conflicted with their faith. They craved words of reassurance. They looked for hope. They looked for a reason to believe. It sounds kind of familiar to me today, August 18th, 2019, in Silverdale, Washington. Does it sound familiar to you? Yeah, yeah. Indeed, Hebrews contains words of reassurance, of remembrance of a rich history of faith. It contains stories that recall triumphs and struggles that this people of faith experienced. Because that's what life is made up of, right? Ups and downs and good and bad. And perhaps the readers of Hebrew in that time and place were Jews who had become followers of Jesus. And in the words of Hebrews, they are called back again to their ancestors, to their history of faith 
back to this community, back to their roots, and back to this great cloud of witnesses. Cloud of witnesses. I love that phrase. I think clouds are fascinating. You can stare at them all day long, and they have different shapes and sizes, and they're made of quadrillions of water droplets and bubbles. I hope you'll never forget that when you see a bubble the next time. So I want you to turn to page five in your bulletin, if you'd like, um, and just check out the first verse of our reading today. One of the clouds of witnesses that the writer of Hebrews references is the Red Sea, this event on the shores of the Red Sea. Now, if you can imagine, these people, these Israelites, are enslaved in the country of Egypt. They are they are, um, have been this way for many, many years, and they're crying out to God, save us from these, in, these people who are enslaving us. Do something, Lord, do something. And so the Lord sends Moses, right? The Lord sends Moses to the Israelites, and Moses says, I will bring you out of Egypt. With God's help, I will bring you out of Egypt. And so Moses and the Egyptian Pharaoh go back and forth and back and forth, and finally, Finally, the Pharaoh says, just leave. Just get out of my country after all of these plagues and all these things that have happened to his people. And so the Israelites start out across the desert, thousands and thousands, maybe quadrillions of them, I don't know. And they get to the edge of the Red Sea. And guess what? They don't have boats. They don't have any way to get across this Red Sea and maybe they know it and maybe they don't, but the Egyptians are hot on their tail. The Pharaoh has changed his mind, and he is coming to bring them back into slavery. So here they stand, and guess what they do? The most human thing that we do, they start to complain. Moses, why did you bring us here? Moses, what are you trying to do to us? Moses, we would have rather died in Egypt under slavery than died here on the banks of the Red Sea. And Moses says, stand firm and watch the Lord deliver you. The Lord, your God, will fight for you. And so Moses lifts his staff and he stretches his hand out over the Red Sea. And the wind begins to blow from the east. The east. <laughs> this is east, right? <laughs> And the waters part, and there's a path. Maybe it's a little soggy, but there's a path through the water. And the Israelites, this great cloud of witnesses, descends on to this soggy path. Can you imagine those big walls of water on either side of them? Can you imagine the faith it took to descend to the bottom of a sea and walk across it? And in the meantime, the Lord has put a pillar, a pillar of cloud, there's that cloud again, between the Egyptians who are pursuing the Israelites and the Israelites. So the Israelites cross safely and the water recedes. The Lord delivered that great cloud of witnesses of Israelites. Our reading from Hebrews today goes on. It references Jericho and Rahab and Daniel and Gideon and Samson. 
people who suffered imprisonment, people who wandered and were tortured, and the people who kept those stories alive. Those stories are in our Bible today because of these people who passed them on, who became the great cloud of witnesses. I want you to imagine for a minute your own cloud of witnesses. Who is in your cloud? There are people like Moses and Rahab, Mary the mother of Jesus, the Apostle Paul. Maybe there's theologians like Augustine, Martin Luther, Dorothy Day, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Mother Teresa, but more close to home, perhaps in your cloud, is an auntie or a grandma who took you to church, or a dad or an uncle who told you the stories of Jesus, or a camp counselor or a scoutmaster or a teacher. Maybe you're sitting next to somebody in your cloud or near somebody. Part of the reason that you are here today so early on this Sunday morning is because of them. They served as witnesses to you. I can look at many of you and see my own cloud of witnesses. In fact, I look at all of you and see my own cloud of witnesses. And this all brings to mind for me a conversation I had a few weeks ago with a young person from our church. We're going to call her Carrie. She is very intelligent, very driven. She says she has a science and math mind. She's very logical. I need proof about things, she told me. And so she and I were having lunch at Panera because her mom was struggling with some of the questions that this Carrie was asking her about faith. And I, uh, I did my best to answer them. I can't say that I did the best job, but... Um, we talked a lot about logic and proof and what's truth. And um, one of the things that she really said that stuck out to me was, I am very logical and I need proof, but I also believe my mom. She thinks this is important. She believes in Jesus. She's a Christian. And so, therefore, I believe. I want to believe. I want to be confirmed. I want to go to church. I want this to be part of my life. What a powerful witness that this mother has provided for this young woman. And I know other people in her life, too, including many of you who have provided this to her. Um, I think about all the things that we do here at church to provide a witness. Uh, the doors are open on Sunday mornings and many other mornings of the week. You sing in the choirs, you put money in the offering plate, you cook hearty meals, you copy bulletins. That is part of being the cloud of witnesses. And that's in this place and when you go out into the world. So Carrie and I had a long conversation that day at lunch. A lot of her questions had to do with the Bible. And I agreed with her that it is a complicated library of 66 books of a lot of different kinds of literature and a lot of different um, contextual places and times. And um, 
but this, the question that, uh, that stumped me, that, that really stopped me in my tracks was, why be a Christian? Why be a Christian? Hmm. Yeah. A lot of other faiths offer good moral lessons. People learn to live good lives. They take care of their neighbors. They create peace in the world. There are a lot of other good religions. Why does it matter if it's, a Christ if it's Christianity or not? And it took me right back to the Hebrews text here today. It says in Hebrews 2.12, Look to Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. The pioneer and perfecter, the completer, the end goal of our faith. The one who brings all things together. They don't have him, do they? Other religions don't have Jesus. And I think they do indeed offer good lessons and rules about how to create, how to get to nirvana or how to have an eternal life. But it's really, really based on how they behave, on what people do. It relies heavily on us. And I would say that Christianity, and particularly Lutheran Christianity, tells us, and we know, that we can't save ourselves no matter how hard we try to be perfect, we try to be the completer, the, the person who brings it all together, we can't. We are simultaneously sinner and saint. So this is one thing that I wanted Carrie to hear and I want you all to hear today. Jesus is the pioneer and perfecter of your faith. When you think you can't have enough faith, when you think you don't have enough faith, maybe you think you don't have any. Jesus is the pioneer and perfecter of your faith who takes away your sins, takes them unto himself and onto the cross. You are free. You are free from worry. You are free from striving. You are free from trying to save yourself. You are Christ's. Your identity is in Christ. When the world says you are X or Y or Z or A or B or C, Christ says, no, you are mine. And that little tape in your head says you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not clever enough, you don't have enough logic. Christ says, you are enough because I am enough. When you are overcome with concern for this world, with all the things that are scary, especially today, Christ says, look at me and live. When our culture, when our troubles, when our joys, when our triumphs, when all of these things are so confusing, when we don't know how to interpret the signs, it's time to step onto soggy ground 
It's time to love people who seem unlovable. It's time to take a risk. Because you are swept by Christ into this great cloud of witnesses. And because God knows your brokenness and God is doing something about it. Amen.